So far in this sermon series, as we look forward to Christmas and the first coming of Jesus, we've listened to the voices that have promised the coming of a Savior. We heard the voice of God in Genesis, the the pen of the poet told us of the promise made to David that would be a promise for all of us. The burden of the prophet was that we would all know of the light that is given to us in our darkness. This week we listen to the voice in the wilderness. An interesting place for a promise to be made. One that is absolutely needed and one that continues to highlight God's grace and love for us. I pray that as we work through this text this morning that you would be as overwhelmed by the grace and mercy of God as I was when I was preparing this message and as I will be again as I hear it once more this morning. Our text is Mark chapter 1, verses 1 to 8. We read the word of the Lord. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare, in, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Thus ends the reading. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word, for your word is truth. God, I pray that you would speak through your word this morning, that you would perform the miracle that feeds our souls. pray this in your name. Amen. In October of 2018, 66-year-old Rob Lundgren went camping with his son out at Frank Church River of No Return Wilderness. That's a mouthful. Like, I don't know how you fit that on, like, your little camping stub, but it's, like, it's a, it's a big thing. Frank Church River of No Return Wilderness. The U.S. Forest Service calls this area of wilderness a wilderness of, of steep, rugged mountains, deep canyons, and wild whitewater rivers. It also happens to be the home of Idaho's densest population of gray wolves. Rob was looking forward to this annual camping trip and hiking trip with his son, Jordan. This wasn't a a typical campground. There there were no plots, no ready-made campfire pits, no parking spots. There wasn't a person in charge that you paid and then you were given a, a number for your site. There was no option for electricity or or running water. You didn't drive in your Winnebago to this particular spot in in the wilderness. Rob had scouted out where they would make their camp. He'd he'd cleared the brush out of an area and then met Jordan at a prearranged landmark down a particular dirt road so that they could hike up to the chosen out-of-the-way spot together. They had a great time that evening, sitting around the fire, drinking a few beers, eating a few hot dogs, swapping stories, and and catching up, being father and son, out in the wilderness. 
As the fire burned down, they, they climbed into their sleeping bags. They had, a big, they had big plans for the next day. A few hiking trails they were looking forward to conquering. Some fishing that they were anxious to enjoy. But no sooner had Rob closed his eyes, snuggled into a sleeping bag, dressed in long johns, wool socks, and a long sleeve, cotton shirt, and light thermal layer, then he was awake, standing upright and surrounded by dark forest. You see, when Rob was younger, he had a problem with sleepwalking. He hadn't done it for like 50 years. So it was the last thing on his mind when he was planning this trip with Jordan. It was the last thing on his mind when he snuggled into his sleeping bag that night. So there he was, unprepared for the wilderness that he now found himself surrounded by. Rob didn't have his contacts in. He, he couldn't quite make out his surroundings in the blurry dark. And when he took his first step forward, he tripped over a log and landed in a creek. This was October in central Idaho at 8,000 feet, and it was about 20 degrees Fahrenheit. He got out of the creek fully awake now, dripping wet, and as he pulled his arms in from his sleeves and wrapped them around his body for warmth, the sleeves stood straight out, frozen solid. Rob was in serious trouble. He was cold. He was alone. He couldn't see properly, and he was lost in a vast wilderness. And no one knew where he was, where he had gone, or even that he had left the safety of his tent and the warmth of his sleeping bag. You know, maybe you've never had problems with sleepwalking, and maybe you've never been camping in Idaho. But have you ever felt lost in the wilderness? In the Bible, the wilderness has a deeper, uh, a theological meaning. Jesus was tempted in the wilderness. The people of Israel were wandering in the wilderness. It is understood as a place of isolation. It is a place of dependence, a place where you feel helpless and unable to provide for yourself, where you, where you don't have the answers. You see, being lost in the wilderness is feeling isolated. It's feeling alone. It's feeling like you are unable to help yourself. Like you are unable to get yourself out of the trouble you have gotten yourself into. The lostness that you feel. It's a place of temptation. It's a place of trials. What wilderness are you in this morning? Maybe your wilderness is addiction to your opiate of choice, drugs, alcohol, pornography, attention. (laughs) Whatever it is that enables you to forget the pain that haunts you even though you are enveloped by the shame that follows the indulgence. Maybe your wilderness is self-loathing. You don't like what you see in the mirror. You don't like who you are. You, You wish you were someone else. Someone that was funny. Someone that was good looking. Someone worthy of love. Maybe your wilderness is fear. There are so many things that might go wrong. So many things that that can go wrong. What if they do? 
What if they do? How, how will we move forward when life falls apart and the unthinkable happens? Where will we put our hope when all around us is darkness? I probably didn't list your wilderness here. I don't know where each of you are. I don't know where it is that you feel lost and alone. I don't know where your hope feels bleakest. What I do know is that each of us have a wilderness that we get caught in, that we feel lost in, that we feel powerless to overcome. In our text this morning, morning, we see a quote from the prophet Isaiah. It is, it's just a piece of the passage, but it's taken from Isaiah 40. And when the New Testament references something in the Old Testament, it's a, it's a good practice to go back and look and, and find out why. Isaiah 40 is written to the Israel in exile in Babylon. The people of Israel are not in a desert wilderness, but one of slavery, of hardship, of persecution. Their homes have been destroyed, and and they've been taken to a foreign land by their enemies. God's people are defeated. They are bitter and disillusioned. They believe that God has failed them, which is our typical stance when things get rough, right? We look to God, we... We point out his failures in keeping his promises. And we, we say, if, if you are truly God, and you truly want the best for us, and you are truly all-powerful, then how can you have let all of this happen? As we shake our fist at the sky. So what does God say to his people in the wilderness of Babylonian exile, his people that are mad at him, his people that are angry with him, his people that are shaking their fists at the sky? We read Isaiah 40, verses 1 to 5. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Each valley shall be lifted up. Every mountain, hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and the flesh, all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. How does God respond? How does God respond to our ravings and our yelling? How does he respond to our anger and our frustration? He doesn't just remove the situation. He doesn't just make all of the stuff that we'd like to go away, go away. He doesn't just smile and nod and and plug his ears and wait for our tantrum to pass. Comfort, comfort my people. He comes down to comfort us. He comes down with a promise, with a hope that doesn't depend on us, but only on himself. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. All of the things that are wrong, all the things that have broken, all the things that are rough and painful and seem hopeless, the Lord will fix. He will make the mountains of our sin 
be made level. He will, he will tear them down and make them go away. They count against us no more. It will be as if they didn't exist, promises our Lord. And he will make the valleys of our depression and our guilt and our shame be made level. The valleys will be brought up. For when this promise comes to pass, and we are all made new, when Jesus comes again and we are remade, when the old is gone and the new is come, there will be no sin, no guilt, no shame, no depression, no anxiety. And the rough places, the pain, the loss, the hurt, the fear, God will make all of the rough places smooth. He will heal, cure, give strength and comfort his people. Some of this he does already, but all of it will be done in totality, completely and forever one day. Furthermore, God promises to display his glory before the whole world. Man, what a time that will be. What a fantastic promise that he has made to his people. This is the promise that is made in Isaiah to the lost people in the wilderness of slavery in Babylon. So why is it quoted? Why is it referenced in Mark 1? Why would Mark decide to reference the promise that God made to his people way back in the time of the Babylonian captivity? Because people are still lost in the wilderness. True, in the New Testament, they are no longer captive slaves in Babylon. They've returned to their lands. They are back in Israel. But they do have overseers. They are under the foot under the authority of Rome, but more than that, deeper than that, they are still prisoners to their sin. The deepest issue, the most integral flaw of mankind has not yet been addressed, and so the people still wander the wilderness of their sinful hearts. So the time has come to address this flaw, this sin issue, and so God sends the people a voice. A voice proclaiming promise, a voice proclaiming hope, a voice that says, prepare the way of the Lord. God is coming. And what an unexpected voice it is. It belongs to a man named John. We call him John the Baptist. John's a crazy dude. He lives out in the wilderness. His meals consist of locusts, which are just really big grasshoppers which he washes down with wild honey. He's a huge, bushy beard and crazy wild hair. His clothes are made of camel hair, and, and he has a large leather, welt, leather, welt, leather belt around his waist. And he's out in the wilderness calling people to repentance. He's out in the wilderness saying, prepare the way of the Lord, people. God is coming. And people are are streaming out to him. They are leaving the safety of their homes, their safe places, the wilderness of their lives, and they head out into the literal wilderness. Why? To be baptized, to be forgiven, to hear the promise that this voice brings, that this voice is making. 
And after me comes he who is mightier than I, preaches John the Baptist, this wild man out in the desert. The strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. Which is an interesting phrase. Sandals were considered an extremely dirty thing. People didn't like wash their feet all the time. They're walking around with the dust and that's where the the dust and the dirt continues to accumulate. Your feet are absolutely filthy. And he's saying, I don't even have, I don't even have the worth to stoop down and untie the most dirty garment that this man wears, that this man has. And he continues, I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. John, of course, is talking about Jesus. He's talking about the Son of God. He's talking about the hope of all mankind. The Savior and Comforter that Isaiah promised is the same Savior and Comforter that John is promising. A voice in the wilderness, a voice of promise, heralding the coming of the King, the one who can save, the one who sets us free. And that voice in the wilderness, that voice of promise is still something we need to hear today, isn't it? We may not be in slavery in Babylon and we may not have the boot of the Romans crushing our necks, but we do still have the wilderness of our sin that overwhelms us, that takes us captive, that has, its, has us under its boot, that we feel powerless to overcome, that on our own we are powerless to overcome. We still get lost in the wilderness. As Rob stumbled through the forests of the Frank Church River wilderness. The moon gave him an idea of his direction, and so he moved towards where he believed the road to be. Once he found a dirt road, he had no idea if it was the right road or not, and he wandered both directions for a while, hoping to find something familiar. Failing at this, he had to choose a direction, and so he trudged barefoot, over stones and sticks down this road. Eventually, the exhaustion began to catch up with him. And he began to see things that that weren't there. What his brain told him was a house turned out to be a copse of pine. At one point, he thought he heard, he thought a herd of elk were crossing the road in front of him, but he realized it couldn't be when he didn't hear their hooves or their breathing. And so he trudged painfully along this road in the dark, seeing things that weren't there. And then he heard it. The voice of a man. Hope searched through him and he pushed on in spite of the pain and the cold. Hope giving him strength. He followed the sound of the man's voice and stumbled upon three men around a morning fire. They brought him to the fire, gave him something warm to drink, and then he gave them directions to his campsite. They took him there where he was reunited with Jordan, who had been up frantically searching the woods around their campsite for his father. Though Rob's eyesight was playing tricks on him, offering solutions that weren't real, it was the voice in the wilderness that called him to safety. I don't know what wilderness you are wandering in right now. But I do know 
that there is a voice that is calling you to safety. There is a God who loves you, who wants the best for you, who was devastated by the sin that separated you from him, that that he sent his son to make everything right again. He sent his son to burden, to bear the burden of the mountain of your son. Man, I can't talk this morning. He sent his son to bear the burden of your mountain of sin. He sent his son to comfort you in the valley of your depression, anxiety, guilt, and shame. That one day he will erase. That one day he will bring level, removing the valleys of life. He sent his son to ultimately deal with the wilderness of sin in our lives by getting lost in the wilderness himself in our place. He did so by taking our sin upon his perfect and blameless shoulders and paying for that sin for us in our place by dying on the cross. And there it was finished. He paid the price. He made the mountains low just as one day he will bring the valleys up. But he wasn't done there. For three days after he died, he rose again, and the tomb was empty. And in rising again, he conquered sin and death. He showed that they have no power over him. And through faith in him, through faith in Jesus Christ, through believing that he was who he said he was, that he did what he says he did, and that he will do what he has promised, we are reconciled to God. For when God sees us, he does not see the sinful, wretched person that we are. And that we know ourselves to be. No, instead he sees his glorious son. Instead he sees Jesus. What a promise. One day, one glorious day, the wilderness will be removed forever. But the world has not yet been remade. And we have not yet been remade. And so, whether we have faith in Jesus or not, we sometimes get lost in the wilderness. Church, friends, I can't begin to adequately express how amazing it is to me that the voice of promise speaks in the wilderness. God didn't wait for us to get ourselves clean, to conquer our fears, our doubts, our sins before he made his promise to us. God comes into our wilderness and he makes his promises here. He comes into our wilderness. He comes into our fears. He comes into these places of sadness, of rebellion, of despair, of embarrassment and shame. And here he makes his promises. His promise to love you. His promise to forgive you. His promise to save you. His promise to bring you out of the wilderness that you could not get out of. Church, friends, Rest in that promise. Rest in the fulfilled promise of Christ coming the first time. That beautiful Christmas morning. That he might teach us. Walk in the shoes that we walk in. Be tempted by what we are tempted by. Struggle through the life that we struggle through. And yet be perfect like we cannot ever be perfect. And so ultimately pay the price for our sin. And rest in the promise that is yet to be fulfilled of Christ coming the second time to make everything right once again and forever. To remake the world without sin, to give us bodies that are not tainted by sin 
and to abolish the wilderness one time for all time. Rest in the promises of God. He does not make them lightly. He does not throw them out on a whim. They are delivered with purpose and with power. We can trust in them. We can rest in God's promises. What a wonderful, fantastic, gracious, and loving God we serve. Amen.